This is the IDP After Show. Which players in our redraft rankings could come back to bite us in the butt in 2023? I'm Josh Raymer, your host for this episode of the IDP After Show. I'm joined by Dynasty Trip tonight of Football Guys. We are going to be going through our rankings, looking at players that we could be too low on and too high on and discussing what their range of outcomes may be and why we're a little bit nervous with where we've got these guys ranked trip kick us off who is the first guy that you are worried may come back to bite you in 2023 well thanks josh thanks for having me this first guy that i have is uh is uh, is joey bosa which might come as a surprise to some folks it came as a surprise to me that on football guys rankings at footballguys.com he was the consensus defensive end number 20 that shocked me i have him as defensive end number seven i continue to believe that uh, despite the fact that he hasn't put up a defensive MVP candidate season or some huge sack total in his career, that he is one of the top 10 pass rushers in the league. But I will say that any time that I'm way off a of consensus for football guys, a uh, group of guys that I've been following for a long time and have been a subscriber to well before I was a writer, I take note. I take a deep breath. Well, why, why might I be lower? on a guy like Joey, but, or why would I be higher on a guy like Joey Bosa than the consensus? So I tried to dig in some and try to understand it. And the first thing that comes up to mind is the, is the injury history of Bosa. Bosa had a serious injury and missed a big chunk of last year and finished with just two and a half sacks. He plays on a chargers defense, which just uh, has not seemed to be able to become the uh, equal to the sum of its parts over the last couple of years, when a lot of folks were very excited about him about Brandon Staley coming in as a head coach. And so I worry that I might be wrong just because I'm way higher than the, the rest of the football guys. But um, I, I continue to believe in the talent, and that's why I have him seventh overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle of you all. I've got him right now as my personal uh, edge 15. So I guess I'm probably a little closer to where the football guys consensus is right now. And, yeah, for me it is I expect him to miss probably – one or two games that defense has been underwhelming. I don't know if Brandon Staley survives this season. If this team does not make a deep playoff run kind of surprised they actually didn't fire him after the epic collapse last off season. So, and for me, this is just personal bias trip. I am tired of buying in on Joey Bosa because he got Brandon Staley. Okay. Next season, he got Khalil Mack and constantly coming away feeling disappointed now we'll say the public is actually a little closer to you right now he is going as dl 11 and uh, i don't see any defensive tackles here so that is edge 11 by our adp so i think the uh the consensus might be a little bit closer to where you're coming down on joey bosa very good well hopefully he can eclipse his clear career best of 12 and a half sacks this year if he can stay healthy that's the goal yeah, and look, I'm not, it's, this is, my ranking is more a personal reflection of, I'm just tired of the Joey Bosa experience. I want to <laughs> let someone else deal with it, but I am acknowledging a lot of smart people love Joey Bosa. So I'm acknowledging that, yes, I may be too low on him as well. The first guy I want to kick us off with at the edge position, it's a little bit further down in the ranks trip. For me, it's my edge 46. It's Jonathan Grenard of the Houston Texans. Now, it's 
Hard to remember because, well, especially when you have kids, time just becomes a, a big blur half the time. But uh, go back to 2021 with me. Jonathan Grenard finished as the edge 36 by big three scoring, playing just 12 games. Now, he only appeared in eight games last season, but let's tick off some of the boxes that would make us more optimistic about Grenard in 2023. He has a major coaching upgrade with D'Amico Ryans coming in. Will Anderson, the highly drafted rookie edge rusher, is alongside him. Jerry Hughes is still there. The market is totally off on Grenard. He is going as DL64 right now with D tackles thrown in there. He's probably going around where my edge ranking is for him. So you're not going to have to pay much for this guy at all. We're talking like edge four prices here. And I'm certainly not calling for like a top 12 finish. But I do think a return to his 2021 finish, again, edge 36, like a back end defensive end edge three. Is it possible he cracks the top 24? Yeah, if he gets some sack luck, but I feel comfortable with him in that kind of back end edge three. He's a, he's my edge 46 right now, and I think if you can get him as your DL4, that's a price worth paying, and I think you could see some serious ROI there, Trip. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take. I mean, like you said, this guy is just kind of forgotten to the winds of time here, even though it's been, I guess it's been an eon in COVID years, even though it's only been two years. But yeah, this is a guy that came out earlier in his career and flashed. And it's just, it's hard to believe that there was nothing there because he flashed by the eye test. He flashed in the metrics. And, so, and he, you're right. I mean, he has an interesting situation where there's not a total devoid of talent and pass rushing on that defensive line. He's got a defensive coordinator that that um, you would got to imagine it's going to be a better defense under under D'Amico Ryans than it's been. And I, I think he fits the what they want to do pretty well. And so there's certainly a lot of upside there. I'll, I, I will have to admit that I guess I might be closer to the masses on this one. I have him uh, as my edge 61. And so okay. I'm pretty low on him. Um, and the consensus football guys ranking is edge 62. Okay. Now that said, there are a lot of guys in this, you know, in this edge group, this, you know, they're, it's, it's remarkably, I don't know if it's deeper than ever, but it feels like it just because there's just so many guys to choose from. It's, and so when you get down that late is the increments are really small. You know what I mean? It's like the guy that's 56 really isn't that much. He's not six places better. If that makes any sense, you know, it's just, there's, it's just pick your poison once you get that late. And so you're talking about a guy that you basically can get for free that if you have good roster depth can throw into a rotation and maybe you're playing matchups and you know, it's like playing zero tight end. You're, you're, picking on a guy, putting him on your roster and seeing if he emerges for you. So I think it's a nice upside bet. And so, yeah, I think it's an interesting call for sure. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that not only do you not have to pay a lot for this guy, this is a team that I think could surprise. Now I think, I don't think they're going to be pushing for the playoffs, but they have upgraded that team in Houston and for being as bad as they have been for so long, this could absolutely be the type of move that comes in and rejuvenates an entire team and an entire defense, especially with a defensive head coach as energetic as D'Amico Ryans and as capable as D'Amico Ryans. So, um, yes, Jonathan Grenard, I guess I'm maybe not too low on him when we look at what the consensus is and uh, what the market says, but who is the defensive end edge player that uh, maybe you are too high on? 
I might be too high on Bradley Chubb. Okay. I, Bradley Chubb of the Dolphins is is a guy that's had a roller coaster of his career. Started off with fifth drafted overall about five years ago. Came out hot, had 12 and half, half sacks to get started as a rookie. Continued to play fairly well in the first four games of his second year and then popped an ACL. And really has been battling injuries seemingly ever since until last year. And I felt like that he reemerged last year. I felt he finally started to play better after really three years and, you know, in the wilderness and uh, the pass rush win rate that's tracked by ESPN reported by ESPN using NFL next gen stats had him in the top 10 as a, as a Bronco, he switches over to the dolphins in a midseason trade and the dolphins paid a fortune to get him and had a fortune to keep him on the roster in terms of a lucrative contract extension. They gave up their first round pick to get him or one of their first round picks and and so he pairs now with Jalen Phillips. Uh, and so certainly there's talent on that defense. He has Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard behind him in support. So you, you think that he would be able to close the deal on some pass rush efforts. And this is a guy that a lot of people have understandably written off because the patience is just not been rewarded uh, even last year when he was having a good year as you know st- as the analytics would say he still only had about a seven and a half or eight sacks in part because the dolphins themselves seem to be so bad he started off with five and a half sacks in the first eight games of last year gets over to my with denver gets over to miami and then just finishes just kind of fizzles out statistically for the rest of the season and so i certainly understand why idp gamers are off of this guy. I have him as my 18th overall edge, and fortunately, I don't have to pay that if I actually was in a draft, but I realize that that's awfully rich, and it feels like it's a lot of downside in that rank. Yeah, that is um, about half of what his ADP is. So he is going as DL35 right now, and I have him pretty close to where the market is viewing him. I've got him as my edge 38. So I think it's a matter for me of that the name has outpaced the game a little bit in that because he got traded for a first round pick secured the bag that we are viewing him in a light that has not been warranted by the idp production now what i will say is that second year full off season with the team i think it always helps to get people on the backside of like a mid-season trade the following year and so, Trip, I'm curious because you are the scheme guy. If any of our listeners are looking to find out about defensive schemes, Trip is your guy. Get a football guy's sub just for that if you're into that sort of thing. Trip, I'm curious if the Vic Fangio arrival as the new defensive coordinator in Miami has affected your optimism for Bradley Chubb. It really hasn't, uh, to be honest with you. I, it's it's one thing I found really fascinating about about rankings and finishes last year. You you're in a league called All Twenty Two um, League with me, and yep. um, it's based on PFF grades. And there was just remarkable consistency between fantasy, just standard fantasy finishes and PFF finishes, meaning that the guys that are good at football finished well in the standings. And isn't that what we all really want from fantasy football? We want to be able to think that we can get draft good guys, good players, put good players on our team and finish well because we drafted the good players. And so this is really my belief that Chubb is a good player. I do think it helps to have the context around him. Fangio is a good defensive coordinator. I think that helps some. I think that Josh Boyer last year is, I, I wrote, I just wrote a piece in footballguys.com that just got published a couple of days ago about Bradley Chubb and Vic Fangio. And I think that Josh Boyer was 
he just couldn't seem to adjust out of his scheme. And they lost Byron Jones to the season before the season ever got started because he couldn't come back from a 2021 injury. They started an undrafted free agent, a cornerback who led the league in targets against. And the entire defense continued to blitz. It continued to do what it had been doing, despite the fact that it didn't have the personnel to execute what they wanted. And I think that that's why both Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb had fewer sacks. So having Vic Fangio there really is just about having a kind of a um, a whether or not I think Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator, but it's more about just having a good defensive coordinator to keep the to have a scheme um, that will fit the personnel. And Fangio has shown remarkable flexibility to adjust his scheme to match his personnel, whether he's playing more man coverage because he has the cornerbacks to do it or blitzing more because he has the flexibility to do it. He's always managed to to adjust. So he's not a guy that's that's doing the same thing year in and year out because that's you know, what he likes to do or something. This is, he is a guy that's you know, after 25 years in the NFL, a guy that can really uh, adjust his, his play calling and his system to meet his talent. So that's attractive to me. And I think that, that Phillips and, and Chubb both have an opportunity to perform up to their capability in the system. And a defensive coordinator who is familiar with Bradley Chubb being yep. the former head coach of the Denver Broncos. Of course, Chubb's time there was marred by injury, but we saw flashes of brilliance and that came under Vic Fangio. So I am I am open to the possibility that Bradley Chubb could be much better than I am anticipating. Uh, but much like Joey Bosa, I've been a little burned by the hype, and I just would rather someone else uh, deal with that. So good news is, uh, if you like him closer to where Trip has him, you can get them, like we said, as the DL35 right now in these best ball drafts we've been doing. So you don't have to pay up for a guy that, at least in Tripp's mind, has top 18 upside. And speaking of players with new teams, the situation we fa faced last season with Bradley Chubb going to Miami, we also had questions about Yuchina Nwosu going to Seattle from Los Angeles. He is the player that I'm worried I may be a little too high on as my edge eight going into 2023. Now he finished as the edge nine in 2022, 66 tackles, nine and a half sacks, 10 TFLs, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, 17 games trip. We got everything we wanted from Uchenna Nwosu going from the Chargers to the Seahawks. He always showed promise in Los Angeles, but finally put it together under Pete Carroll and the Seahawks defense. But banking on back-to-back -to -back top 12 seasons from a guy who up to last year was unproven, that's a bit of a tricky proposition. Regression, I think, seems likely, just naturally speaking, having a letdown after a breakout season. But I also think this defensive line is ascending as well. You have Draymond Jones in the mix, Derek Hall, Boye Mafe, and Daryl Taylor taking a step forward. Now, barring injury, I don't think Nuosu falls outside the top 24. But of the top 12 guys I have ranked at the edge position, he makes me the most nervous. He is going as the... DL21. So if you want to scoop up Yuchina Nuosu, you can still get a discount in best ball. But as a top 12 ranked edge for me right now, I'm curious what your temperature is on Yuchina Nuosu. Yeah, I think I'm right around with some of the numbers you're mentioning. I have him at DL23, which I feel like is 
you know, I feel pretty good about that ranking. Actually, I, I think I was surprised that there weren't people who had him lower because at football guys, his consensus rank is 16. And so I, I you know, you mentioned about him kind of coming into his own. I think he came into his own in, in the very last half of his rookie contract in his last year with the chargers. And that's what really earned him the big free agent money in, in Seattle after that. And he emerged as a really steady force in that defense and played a boatload of snaps, which was not necessarily expected. The The Seahawks had not had anybody play that many snaps on the edge in, in a couple of years anyway. And he goes out there. And so part, so there's a part of me that worries that he's a volume based play and that at you two forty five or whatever he is, he's not a guy that they really do want to put out there for 800 snaps or 900 snaps as he was last year. And so that's my concern and why I guess I'm a little lower than consensus on him. So I can, I can appreciate why you'd be worried that your ranking is is too high. But that being said, I mean, like the um, you know his finish last year was was notably higher than that. So I'm building in and a a discount um, that you know really kind of projecting that he will not finish as high as he did last year. He finished as DL nine and or in uh, football guys ranking last year. So if I have him down at edge twenty three, I'm obviously low on him i guess i'm looking at boy mafe like you mentioned being in a second year hopefully he's starting to earn more reps they draft another edge really in the same range as mafe this year Derek hall was also an early second round pick and so i think there's room for those guys to play and for nuosos to still you know, get eight or nine hundred snaps so i you know i would be i could be concerned that i might be too low i might be selling him short by ranking him so much lower than this last year's finish so it's an interesting topic for sure yeah he's an interesting player because sort of like geno smith you know we hadn't really seen it up to last year and that seahawks <laughs> mm -hmm. team provided multiple breakouts for guys so can he keep it up we'll see i'm rooting for nuosu we all love this guy here on the idp show and uh, if you believed in him like we did last off season it paid big dividends we'll see how 2023 goes trip who is the first linebacker that makes you a little nervous headed into this season well, I'll start with the guy that I'm higher on, I guess, than than, um, than football guys. Uh, it's kind of how I built some of this. Is I, I look to see who I was a, I was an outlier on relative to my colleagues at football guys, and the first one I got is T.J. Edwards, is uh, my linebacker seven, and he is the linebacker 26 by consensus football guys. And so I was really curious to dig into well, why is why is that exactly? And so the answer isn't Tremaine Edwards. The Tremaine Edwards is in my ranking is down in the twenties, which is similar to where a football guys have them. The answer seems to be that the other guys uh, here at the team are higher on the safeties and I'm lower on the safeties. So they seem to be expecting that the safeties will pile up tackles a lot like they did last year. And I don't see that. I, I see that we have, you know, Edwards was very efficient tackler last year, piled up tackles in the Philadelphia system. The bears did invest in the defensive tackle position to help keep these linebackers clean. They brought in Andrew Billings and free agency who's you know, nothing right home about, but he's a space here in the middle. And they use their second and third round picks on additional defensive tackles. And Justin Jones, no, no one knows who that is, but he is actually not a terrible NFL player playing the under tackle position for Chicago. So I think that there's reason to believe that TJ Edwards could pile up tackles like Jack Sanborn did last year. And that was pretty successful. So I'm really surprised that my colleagues are so low on him, but I even checked Mike Clay projections from ESPN and he even has the safeties highly uh, ranked. In his projections too. So I worry that I might just be off on this. The only the only uh, satisfaction I would 
take is our man John Macri and I. I think I think he has him at seven two. So I feel okay if if, if Macri says he's seven, then I'm going to have a little more comfort in my ranking. I'll do you one better. I've got him at LB six. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I am with you, man. It's like Roquan Smith was, I mean, the LB one for IDP in that Chicago defense until he got traded to Baltimore. Still the LB one for IDP. And then, yeah, Jack Sanborn for a stretch there was like the number one linebacker in IDP points per game wise. They significantly upgraded that position, at least over Jack Sanborn with TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. So I don't know. I'm with you. I don't, I would not be looking favorably at the safeties. I think these linebackers who, you know, have had their ups and downs for at least for IDP and, and for NFL purposes as well. I think these guys are going to eat this year. I've got them both projected very highly and uh, the market is all in on these linebackers as well. Now they are a little bit uh, behind where our ranking is. TJ Edwards is LB 11 right now and Tremaine Edmonds is LB 18. So at least for Edwards, you can get a little bit of a discount compared to where we have him ranked, but I'm with you. Give me all the Edwards and Tremaine shares that I can get uh, because I think these dudes are going to pile up tackles behind, like you said, a revamped and improved defensive line. But let's talk about a guy that I may be too low on, and that is Jamin Davis, the presumed LB1 for the Washington Commanders. This is admittedly some bias on my end. You'll find a lot of bias. I can't help it in these rankings trip. I'm human. I'm a human being after all. And I've been burned by a lot of these guys. I flag planted Jamin Davis in 2021 and he pulled that flag out of the ground and stuck it through my heart. Uh, but, 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 but very important. He finished 2022 strong, almost one full point per game better from weeks 10 through 18. He was at 10.56. The first half of the season, 11.5 to finish things out. Now, that corresponded to going from 75% of snaps the first nine games to 100% of snaps the final seven games. Now, this is an important caveat here. He did miss week 18 after landing on IR for a knee injury. He had a knee cleanup procedure this offseason. He was limited at the team's offseason activities, but he is expected to be ready for training camp. So there are some injury concerns, but if he is healthy, I think this guy has top 12 in his range of outcomes, he's my LB 31 right now. Remember, Cole Holcomb was the LB nine playing 99% of snaps across 16 games. Same head coach and defensive coordinator. Only Cody Barton has been added. Jamin Davis at LB 31 trip makes me a little nervous. What say you? You nervous? You're too low. I nervous him too low. Yeah, I 100% agree. You're too low. <laughs> Where do you have him? I have him at LB 18. Ooh, I'm okay. much higher. Yeah, and also this is another player that I'm pretty far off of, of football guys consensus on. At uh, the football guys consensus has him at 36. And this is wow. another one where I'm absolutely blown away on. And I'm not even that nervous this time. I think the rest of them are wrong. <laughs> so, like you mentioned, I agree with you that I think he has LB one in his range of outcomes and. No one is talking about it. 
The first thing I would say is LB36, the reason I think that's wrong is because in my mind, there are about 25 guys every year that we know are full-time players. And those 25 should be the first 25 off the board because they have the high safe floors. It doesn't always work out that way. There are guys like Alex Singleton who managed to put up a ton of tackles without playing full-time. And it's like, well, you just eat it, in my opinion, because you want the safe floor. Alex Singleton had games where he, didn't, where he played nothing but special teams last year. That doesn't help you so much in, in a certain week. And so you take a guy like Davis. He has that safe floor. You know that he's the week-in, week-out starter. The, the, and then there are some team contact situations that absolutely help. You look at last year, like you mentioned, he, he played full-time the, the, down the stretch. That was after Cole Holcomb got hurt. And they, at that time, it was also after Derek Forrest broke out. And so they started playing three safety looks most, most of the way. That was their, I don't know if those, you know, I haven't seen the numbers on it, but I feel sure watching them that that was their most common package to show three safeties. Davis, they had a David Mayo who was there kind of thumping, two down thumper in the middle of the defense. And so what did they do this year? They reinforced that model that they became comfortable with down the stretch. They drafted, uh, they replaced Bobby Martin with uh, Bobby um, McCain, Bobby McCain with Quan Martin out of Illinois in their second pick. And then in their, uh, and then in free agency, they picked up Cody Barton to kind of, a slight upgrade on the two down thumper piece. So I really expect them to come out and run a defense, which is pretty similar to what they ran down the stretch last year. And that was a defense where Jamin Davis is getting nine tackles pretty much every week. And then there's upside on top of that, in my opinion, because this is a defense that ran too high, surprisingly often. So you're talking about a linebacker who will, won't have company on the second level very often. Uh, well, relatively speaking, with Cody Barton coming off the field for dime sub packages. And then you have a too high structure, which will, will have more space for Davis to cover. Folks, this guy was a first round pick with premium athleticism just three years ago. I've never seen the IDP community just kind of bail out of former first round pick so fast this is a guy that has the has a nice high safe floor and has upside to finish as an lb1 and he is going way too low he's lb40 right now yeah, lb40 which is <laughs> wild okay i'm gonna just update my rankings here while you tell me about your next linebacker you're nervous about <laughs> so the next one i'm nervous about this is what i'm low on i got jordan hicks i'm ready to talk about and i have i have been i tweeted about in february and i sold folks in february i said you want the vikings to re-sign jordan hicks so that he can run interference for your brian osamoa interests uh, because I think I'm team, there may not be many with me, but I am team Brian Osamoa when it comes to which linebacker is the linebacker to target in Minnesota. So I have Hicks as my LB 52 football guys consensus has him LB 18, which means that obviously all of my colleagues think that Hicks is the full-time player in this defense. I look at Brian Flores coming in and look at what he has done previously in his career. And to me, Brian Osamoa fits the Jerome Baker role and Jordan Hicks fits the Elandon Roberts role that we saw a couple of years ago, which is fine. You'll get some tackles from an Aladdin Roberts type. You know, Roberts himself had 107 tackles in a part-time role last year. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's I don't see how in the world you can justify an LB18 ranking. All that being said, you know, there's lots of folks, including myself, that have written off Jordan Davis before, not uh, Jordan Hicks before for a younger man, you know, in Arizona, and it hasn't pa it hasn't come to pass. Hicks has held onto the role and finished as you know quality starting linebacker for fantasy football purposes. So that's my hesitation is that I've been saying that Osamoa will be the guy and Hicks won't for quite a few years for quite a few months, and I might just be flat wrong. 
they benched Jordan Hicks at the end of last season for Brian Osamoa. I think the Vikings have very clearly told us what they think of the linebackers that they have in the building right now. Now, I agree with you. I think that Jordan Hicks is being slept on and has been slept on for almost his entire career. But I am looking at what the team told us last season. And this wasn't a tanking team. This was a 13-win team that earned a high seed in the playoffs of the NFC. So it wasn't like they were like, oh, the Arizona Cardinals were you know, going to be like, four and 10 this year. That's maybe being generous. So let's try some wonky stuff at the end of the season. This was, I think, an audition to say, can we let Kendricks go next off season? Can we get this awesome Moa guy some run here at the end of the year when we pretty much have our playoff seating locked up? And so I'm with you. I'm team Brian Osamoa. He is uh, much, much higher in my rankings uh, than Jordan Hicks. I actually am with you on Hicks. I've got him as LB 53 right now. I just don't think he's going to be that relevant uh, for IDP because I do believe that Brian Osamoa is going to be the primary linebacker there. And, you know, my rankings reflect that. I have Brian Osamoa as LB 17 right now. So I'm curious, do you have it pulled up? Do you know where you have Osamoa right now? Yeah, let's see. I got it. I don't have him as high. I have him more like LB34. Okay. Uh, it's in part because you know, that role there is just isn't very, it's not a very, I don't think it'd be a very tackle efficient role. So I'm a little lower on him than than the, some other players that, that, that I think are uh, more conducive schemes. Yeah, and I'm curious where Hicks, Hicks is LB43 right now. So... Uh, whereas Brian Osamoa is LB 36. So the public views those two linebackers very similar, but they're with us that Brian Osamoa is the linebacker you want in Minnesota. So the next guy for me is a linebacker I am probably, almost certainly, too high on. And I want to I get your take on it again because we're going back to Miami and that Vic Fangio defense. I have David Long as my LB 13 right now. Yes, so this is... I'll just, uh, you know, hit the hit the button once again. Personal biases. I cannot get enough of David Long. Nate Tice talked him up on our breakout pod, and for good reason. He is a legit good NFL linebacker. He's just small, and as a result, he gets banged up. He's played 11 games on average across 2021 and 2022. Now, when Vic Fangio was the head coach in Denver, no linebackers scored 200-plus points by big three scoring. The best finish under Fangio was 172 points for Alexander Johnson in 2020. He finished as the LB27. So this bet is built on long, staying healthy, which he has not done, and being the best linebacker Fangio has had. Realistically, David Long is probably a better bet closer to his ADP of linebacker 32. There are definitely guys under him that I could push up, but I want to be bullish on David Long. He's talented. He's in a prove-it year on a good defense, so it can all come together in a way that it hasn't thus far. Will it? I don't know. We'll see, but I'm a little nervous. Tripp, what's your take on David Long? Yeah, that's 13. This is awfully high for, <laughs> it feels a little risky for me too. I have David Long at 22. So he's at the bottom end of those players that I expect to play full-time. And I think we do agree that this is a guy that feels locked in for a full-time role here. It's just a question of how lucrative 
productive do we think this guy can be in this role? So I, I was doing a little research for my article this week, and I, and I happened to notice that Patrick Willis had 120 tackles under Fangio in 2012. That's just a plate full of meh. And this is Patrick Willis. <laughs> you know, so Hall it's of hard Fame to, Patrick Willis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So it's, for the 49ers a good while back, the Super Bowl year. And so it's hard to expect really big numbers from Wong. I think he'll be fine, but I don't think that we're, you can expect 150 tackles out of this guy. I think that both he and Jerome Baker play a healthy amount of snaps and are just kind of passable producers that you might be comfortable with if you you know don't have if you're not paying premiums for really big for really highly productive players so yeah thir- 13 feels a, a little rich i the um you know i think that we talked a little bit about what fangio might do with those cornerbacks and a little more man heavy a little but less productivity uh they do like to play light boxes meaning both linebackers will be out there and you know having to chase down some 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 uh some running backs so that's attractive but uh, but but yeah i think that the the risk the downside risk in a 13 rank is, is there there you go yes i totally agree this is probably one of the riskier players that i have ranked anywhere across my rankings but I I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that if this guy can put it together, he's got a good defensive coordinator. This is a good ascending defense. Um, I just want to be optimistic. Sometimes I think it's not the worst thing in the world to be optimistic about guys you like in new situations. And so that's where I'm at with David long, but trip let's wrap up with some DBs. I'm curious, the defensive back who has you a little bit nervous going into this season. Well, I think 20 out of 25. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, All of them. Yeah. All, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Uh, we talked a little bit about our how we came up with these names. And so I was looking through my positional rankings and and at football guys, if, if I have a guy that's way off, like some of the ones we've been talking about, it gets flagged in the ranking system as a quote, extreme outlier. And so, and I went, and then they have also notable outliers. So extreme outliers are flagged in red, notable outliers are flagged in yellow. I go to my defensive tackle ranks and I got one yellow, you know, there's people know who the good defensive tackles are. I go to my, my safeties and I've got like 20 out of 25 already. <laughs> you know, we're just all over the place. All over the out. place. No, <laughs> nobody knows. So my, my guy that I, that, that I'm talking about here tonight, just because he is my highest red card on that system is Xavier McKinney, who I have as my safety six. And it, it's, it's almost the warm body theory. Julian love was there. He's gone. Somebody's going to step in and take that production. And, you know, but the thing about Xavier, it's more complicated than that. The thing about Xavier McKinney is that you look at it and compare the notes or the, you know, some of the um, alignments and deployments last year for Love versus McKinney. McKinney played more often on the defensive line. He was the one that was blitzing, not Love. Love or McKinney played more deep, and so Love spent more time in the box, which promotes that tackle efficiency because. He's more typical at the second level, whereas McKinney was both at the first and the third level more than Love, which is really kind of interesting. You think about it because you you typically historically imagine this free safety who plays 700 snaps deep and then a strong safety in front of him who's soaking up tackles. And that's just not how NFL defenses work anymore i mean there's very rare examples of that where you see a lot miami was is kind of the outlier and that got we talked about earlier that might have got josh boyer fired so uh it's looking at how they fit fit it this year and um they're talking about where the green dot goes last year when mckinney was healthy 
he was wearing the green dot. And so they're looking at possibly mixing that up this year. And so it tells me that these roles are all a bit in flux. And they brought in, the Giants did, Bobby McCain, who had for years been the deep safety in Washington. He did play some slot last year for Washington, which is a different wrinkle. But still, he's a guy that profiles as a deep safety. You would think that they would rely on him in a deeper role and maybe some slot too, and have McKinney be the guy more often in the middle of the field. And so... My, my thinking is that they redeploy him a little bit such that he is more tackle efficient and add on top of that, those pass rush opportunities that are there with the blitzing and he didn't convert a lot of those. And so he didn't get the points, but it's, you want to bet on the opportunity and bet on upside at safety. The way I take on safety is I'm swinging for the fences. There's no reason in my mind is to take a guy that's kind of has the middling tackle floor and you're hoping it gets a few big plays. Um, I have, I have probably thrown shocking f- shade on Antoine Midfield on this pod before, but he's just a guy that's never going to be on my rosters because he just doesn't have that high of a tackle floor. And you're just hoping and praying that he gets the big plays. You want both if you can find it. And you won't always hit it when you're guessing at it the preseason. But like Sigmund Bloom often says, you know, fantasy football, you're in the business of making decisions based on incomplete information. And so I, I think there's enough upside in McKinney that a, a safety six ranking is 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 I as you know is where I'm interested in him and I can see obviously the downside because we all fought similarly last year and it didn't happen. Safety eight for me. So I'm with you. I like Xavier McKinney this season. I think this defense is going to be much improved as well. And you get a massive discount right now on Xavier McKinney if you're on this train with us, DB27 right now. So that's that you feel better when your uh, guys that you may be too high on are, at least according to the public, uh, going much later. So if you're wrong, you know, these guys are, you're getting a 19 DB discount on Xavier McKinney. So that's pretty nice. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think this could be the year we see the Xavier McKinney kind of pop season that we've been waiting for. So Saddle up. Let's ride Xavier McKinney. I might be too high trip on a safety in Baltimore. Second year pro Kyle Hamilton is my safety five right now. And I'll, I'll lay out the case here, but I'm conflicted on Kyle Hamilton. We may have just been a year too early on his breakout. The second year player though, this was very fascinating. And we hate the news about Chuck Clark wishing him a speedy recovery with the torn ACL there with the New York Jets. Of course, he was out the door clearing the lane for Kyle Hamilton. But even with how up and down his playing time was, Kyle Hamilton scored three fewer points than Chuck Clark by big three scoring last year. So he was mad efficient when he was on the field. And he finished the year strong. He was up from 5.6 to 10.7 points per game with 14.2 point performance in the playoffs. So Kyle Hamilton came on like gangbusters at the end of the season. We mentioned Chuck Clark is gone. It's just Ham and Marcus Williams. Kyle Hamilton spent 81.2% of his snaps in the sweet spot last year. That is box, slot, and DL. So all the stars have a line, but this is still a huge jump. The safety five in 2022 by big three scoring was Derwin James with 211 points. So Kyle Hamilton scored just 126, but he had a 17-game pace 
Uh, but a 17 game pace of that end of year finish is 10.7 of uh, 10.7 is 181.9. So well shy of that safety five mark that Derwin James had last season. That would have been good for safety 13. So even with that strong end of the year finish, he's still a bit off from where I have him ranked. So I do think we need to see a big jump in points per game and production for him to hit top five. So I'm nervous that I may be too high, but trip, I'm also nervous. I may have him too low <laughs> because there is a chance. There is a world in which Kyle Hamilton is the safety one this season. Yeah. And I think you bet on guys. Like I just said a minute ago, you bet on guys that have that high ceiling. Right. And so Kyle Hamilton is to me, the guy nobody has a safety one ceiling because Derwin owns it. <laughs> so, you, so you're trying to, you're trying to hit on the safety too. And I think that Kyle Hamilton has that in his range of out, outcomes. I have him as safety three and I'm go. following Jeremy Chin and Derwin James is my two and my one. And, and the logic there is that it's kind of what you saw with how Kyle Hamilton last year, he settled into a role. He became a starter. They lost, they let Char Clark go in a trade. Geno Stone is, was the kind of the adequate third safety in that setting. Marcus Williams is the starter as the, as more of the deeper safety. And I, I fully expect Kyle Hamilton to play full time, which he did not last year. So we're looking at growth upside in those numbers that you just read, because all those numbers happened in games where he's playing 75, 80% of snaps. And so what I'm interested in with all three of those players was really chin and Kyle Hamilton, both is opportunities to play in an overhang position with two other safeties behind them on the field in a defense similar, both these two defenses are a little like the, Commanders also settled into a three safety system down the stretch and seemed to have a personnel rotation they were comfortable with. And I, you know, I think that with Chuck Clark gone, the opportunity for Hamilton to grow into that full-time role and really be a difference maker on the field that they drafted him to be at the 14th overall pick, not many safeties go 14th overall, is really attractive. And so I, I'm with you. Yeah, the risk is that he's too high. The risk that he doesn't play full-time. The risk is that you know, we're, we're talking about a scheme evolution or that is kind of untested, uh, you know, so it's we used to look five years ago, whoever played in the box was going to pile up tackles and 10 of the 12 guys in the top 12 and 2017 were all bangers. And that's not what we have anymore. And so we're trying to figure out a more complicated formula for fantasy value. And Kyle Hamilton is a guy that checks a lot of boxes. He checks a lot of boxes and he is checking the boxes of being ranked very highly for both of us. So <laughs> come on, folks. The water is fine. Don't be scared of Kyle Hamilton. Now let's look and see as we wrap up here. I'm curious where Kyle Hamilton is going. He is DB seven. He is DB seven. So the market is with us on the Kyle Hamilton breakout happening this year. So there you go, folks. Those were some players that we are too high on, too low on. The central kind of theme there is that they make us nervous one way or the other. Trip, we're going to wrap up here. We put out a Q&A thread to our paid supporters, and thank you all so much for your support over at the IDP show. Let's do this first one here from Daryl T., Trip, and I think we can knock this one out pretty quickly. He asked us, can you rank the following in a league with two DL spots? No defensive tackle required. So that's an important caveat to keep in mind. Two DL, not D tackle required. Rank these players, Jeffrey Simmons, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, George Karloftis. Trip, how do you rank those four guys? I got Allen first. 
I'm probably above consensus on Allen. I like him high floor as a tackler. I think he's a better pass rusher than he gets credit for. Second is Jeffrey Simmons, just tried and true good player, draft good players. The third would be Walker. I think Walker was exactly what we thought he would be last year, started the season slowly, was considered to be a raw prospect. He improved as the season went on, plays a ton of snaps opposite Josh Allen, has an opportunity to continue to grow this year. So I like him next. Uh, Sorry, I lost track of who the other guys were. Trayvon Walker yeah. and George Karloftis. So Loft, Karloftis is the fourth, yeah. And I like Karloftis fine. It's just I just don't see a ton of upside relative to some of those other names. Uh, the Chiefs are a team that's uh, you know hasn't really produced on the edge in, in quite a while. They seemed more interested in containing the pa- the passer than they are in sacking him sometimes. Uh, so that's not a not a really diss to put him fourth. Yeah, so for me, I am going with actually Jeffrey Simmons, number one. I agree with you. I'm high on Josh Allen. I'm, do you know where you have him right now in your ranks? For yeah, I think the... I have him like edge nine or something like that. Oh, wow, like okay. Yeah. So I was at 18 uh, okay. for Josh Allen, so feel mm-hmm. good about him as like my edge two. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with Jeffrey Simmons, Josh Allen. I'm going Karloftis at three and Trayvon Walker at four, but I see those guys very similar. Uh, I would not, I would not argue with anyone who wants to flip flop those two, but it feels like a very clear tier break for me from the Simmons Allen tier down to the Karloftis Trayvon Walker tier. Agreed. Draft guys have done it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Exactly right. So this is a question here from Benjamin Ziegler that I feel like is perfectly suited for you for you trip. So he says, since most IDP sites are using more true position, creating more defensive end and defensive tackle players available and a shortage of linebackers. In addition to the linebacker position, losing snaps to safety and cornerbacks in new defenses. Do you rank linebackers to reflect this newfound scarcity? Also, do leagues need to lean on requiring fewer linebackers or switch to more flex positions to compensate now? Love to hear your thoughts on the subject. So let's look at the first question there, Trip. Do you rank the linebackers to reflect the scarcity in this true position world we live in? Oh, absolutely. So I posted my rookie draft board on Twitter, and um, uh, and it just – it's kind of a combined board offense, defense, every defensive position. I did it for true position. And, um, and I have uh, Simpson and Henley at the back end of the second. It's in part because I don't like the offensive talent all that much, but in years past in a conventional position format, I would have had McDonald and Murphy in the second. And instead those are basically flipped because like you said, there is like the the questioner says, there is now a newfound scarcity in IDP leagues based on uh, based on a lot of the pass rushers who had been considered outside linebackers being classified with the rest of the pass rushers. And if anybody doesn't know true position, that's kind of the idea is you, you group players by function. And so the idea of having three starting linebackers dates back 25 years to when the fifth leading tight end in the NFL had 400 yards receiving. The NFL has changed. <laughs> so, to answer the second question, yes, you should absolutely adjust your, if you have the power to adjust your starting lineup requirements to match what the NFL is doing. The idea behind true position is to reflect what the NFL defenders are doing on the field. And so the, it's important to complement that by adjusting your own lineup settings to have settings that reflect what's happening on the field, because you know if 
so and that's simply done so if you have a start nine format where you have three linebackers required you can simply change one of those linebacker spots to a flex spot if you're doing the old five position format with one defensive tackle two defensive ends three linebackers again take one of those linebacker positions and in that case i would recommend flipping it to a defensive tackle position because now that makes that position really interesting defensive tackle becomes uh, a lower scoring position but it becomes a position a position of scarcity and then and it, you optimize your settings, hopefully your scoring settings, such that the optimal play at flex is another pass rusher and that now you find balance. And so the true position format, uh, the idea brings balance to the positions and it's hundred percent would encourage folks to adjust their lineup settings to accommodate that balance. Yeah. I'm with trip on the ranking side of things. I think linebackers now, and we felt it, we switched our reality sports online league, uh, which had a lot of defensive ends classified incorrectly as linebackers like the Zadarius Smith, TJ Watt types. And so we're feeling the pinch now. And it's it's a weird feeling because those guys always felt icky as linebackers. You're like, ah. But now when they are finally switched over to defensive end, you're like, well, I kind of miss having some more linebacker options now. So I think you do have to, and I have done that as well, uh, rank linebackers a little bit higher across the board compared to their other positional peers as far as like defensive end, defensive tackle, safety cornerback, because they are scarce. So I think you do need to be taking those um, linebackers um, earlier, even though what we have seen in drafts is that defensive line is the position you want to grab early, at least in these best ball drafts because there are so many good linebacker values late. So even though I think it is important to grab three down linebackers because they are scarce, you can get them later in drafts. So I think you have to read the room and know what kind of draft you're in and see when that run starts to happen and adjust accordingly, right? Every draft is different. Uh, but by and large, defensive line are defensive line, especially edge rushers that can really pile up sacks are going to be. And this is big play. I think that depends. Your scoring settings have a lot to do with this. Um, and I appreciate your suggestion to switch some of the linebacker positions to flex. I love starting three linebackers. Some leagues have four. So I think this is totally personal preference. You know, and, and we at the IDP show never try to like shame anyone who wants to have shallow IDP leagues, who wants to try different scoring settings. So if if you feel like, okay, I think our league would be better served doing what Tripp said and going to uh, more flex positions to reflect what the NFL is doing, go for it. I think that sounds great. Our leagues, we love having those linebackers because we also know we can find guys off waivers and we are fine plugging in part-time linebackers. So um, I think it comes down to personal preference. Uh, and here you have the argument for either side of how your league should adapt to the changing NFL. Yeah, I think that the one thing that strikes me is that when's the last time you saw one defensive tackle, two defensive ends, and three linebackers on the field at the same time. <laughs> you know, that's that's, that's the, true. What's appealing to me about the, about the switch. But yeah, 100% agree that people should pay a play a form a format that's fun. Don't mm -hmm. fight with your league mates about making the switch if people aren't eager to do it. But know that linebacker scarcity is really going to hurt this year. Just look at the NFL draft. We had a boatload of new pass rushing talent come into the draft, and not much on the linebacker front. No date. No you know no 
round two picks, one guy in the first round. So yeah, that, that's it's going to be an interesting position, and your your advantage in that position is going to take guys like Jamin Davis and, and Brian Osimhoff that people aren't necessarily on. <clears throat> that's right. Now, what would be fun is like a start eleven IDP league that is all flex. That would be absolutely wild to see some of the builds that uh, teams would come up with. So maybe we'll do a crazy sicko league like that at some point. But uh, flex does make it interesting, too, because you have that variability. Much like NFL teams, you can build your defense how you want. So hopefully we answered your question, Benjamin. Thank you again to the, the two folks who sent in questions. Again, we're going to do these Q&A threads all off-season. And, of course, in-season, you will have your start-sit questions answered on the preview podcast that Jake and Evan will be hosting for us. So, Trip, my friend, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We know that you, people can find your work over on footballguys.com. You're going to be cranking over there, I'm sure, all summer as far as the written content goes, but give us something you have coming up that you're particularly looking forward to. Well, I'm in the middle of a scheme series right now where I'm looking at as many defensive coordinators that are new to their teams as I can and writing up my expectations based on what they have historically done and what the personnel that they inherit can do. And so I've got three under the books now. I started with uh, Fangio and two of his disciples. And next I'm shifting gears and go with Brian Flores in Minnesota. And I'm really interested to, to think about kind of the opposite side of schematically of what I've been looking at for the last three weeks. So that'll be out next week. And um, it's, it's really fun to dig into those. So Josh, I really appreciate you having me on this stuff. Like you said, everybody can be, everything can be found at footballguys.com. And I'm at dynasty trip on Twitter and happy to interact and talk football with anybody who who's on that, the bird app and wants to chat. There you go. We just had the scheme episode with John Macri and Tom Kisslingberry on the Big Nickel IDP podcast. So, Trip, I'm sure you will enjoy that one as well. But if you have scheme questions, folks, this is the guy you want to talk to. Hit him up on Twitter. Read his work at Football Guys. Check us out here at the IDPshow.com. We're going to be doing cool stuff all offseason. We've got probably the biggest IDP best ball tournament in the works right now trip i know we're going to get you involved with that so stay tuned for details adam is cooking up something down in the lab that you all are gonna want to be a part of so don't miss it footballguys.com theidpshow.com we're going to take care of y'all all off season but until next time y'all take care and we'll see you soon this was the idp after show <laughs>